In recent years, the fast food drive-in line splits. Have you noticed that? They decided to put a second intercom. So you're in one line and it splits. So whenever I go get these salads, <laughs> now I always drive around if I have to, to properly enter the line. Because there's one line and the yellow line says that there's a, an appointed time when the line splits. And, and because I care about order and respect the franchises here, I, I abide by the rules. But inevitably, somebody, and I have a feeling that some of you in this room right now too, <laughs> enter the second intercom from the side. And when that happens, I'm going to tell you, the love of God's not in my heart. Because <laughs> you are not following the rules. So I play this little game. I, I want to race. And I just, just believe that the Lord's going to make my line go faster. And it feels so good when I beat all you cheaters out there. It rarely happens. Well, that, there's oftentimes in life where People are suffering the consequences of a decision. And if we are good-hearted, even though we know they deserve the consequences, we're sad for that. Hopefully, as we're prayerful people, we identify with the pain of others. And even when people deserve that pain, we still feel bad for them. We're like, yeah, you know, they made that wrong choice and they deserve the punishment, but I still feel bad for them because we've all made mistakes too. My message today asks a question, does the community matter? We're going to really look at more societal issues today. You might say, oh, well, that does, that's part of the whole reason for the question. One of the reasons God wants to bring you to health, relational health, mental health, physical health, is because only out of a place of health can you make a difference in the world. I don't want to say only, but it is the, it is the, the best position. And that's one of the reasons why when we're trying to always take care of our basic needs, we can't see how we can change the world because we can't even manage our day. I say that with compassion because I've been there. I'm not saying you people. I'm saying us. I mean, that happens to me like two days a week. You know, two out of seven, I'm probably like, I just want to get through this day. I don't want to change the world. I just want to go home and veg, right? But when, when, we're, when we're in the shalom of God, right, where, where things are right with the Lord and it's right with our spouse and it's right with our, our best friends and it's right with our coworkers and, and we're thinking positive thoughts and we're thinking thoughts through the word of God, then all of a sudden we see that there's a, there's a world out there that needs help. And I just want you to know you're a world changer. You're a difference maker. You are not just breathing up oxygen. You're not filling a seat right now. You're being called to a destiny. Come on, you're not a seat filler. That's what they do when they're trying to make a TV shot look good. You know, fill a seat. And let me just move forward. I was about to go on one of my tangents. But, but um, you're, you're, you're someone that, that God is it's bringing forth your heart, your destiny, and who you are. 
So when I talk about does the community matter, well, we know what the answer is, yes, and, and I want it to matter to you. I want it to matter to you because you're, you're a thinker, you're a dreamer, you're, you're, you're moving beyond just kind of trying to scratch through the day, and you're saying, like, I have something to offer the world because you do, every single one of you. Not a spectator. You're a leader. If the word leader it is scary because I don't say I don't want to be a leader. You're a participant. You're, you're a part of the story. So, yeah, that's why this stuff matters. So Jeremiah um, was really, really greed for his people. But simultaneously, he, he thought, even though I'm sad for them, they're under the judgment of God. Even though I'm sad for them, they need to feel this consequence. Even though I'm sad for them, you know, this is, this is something that is, is their choice. And so I, when we ask the question, does a community matter? I want you to write this down. Jeremiah had a grief for the condition of the community. And it's when we can see beyond ourselves, when we begin to see the injustices, when we begin to see the systems that oppress other people, when we begin to see how our choices bring consequences to others. And that is how we make with God, with partnership with God, this is how we make the world a better place when we are able to see outside ourselves to see to those around us. And sometimes that takes time because we are selfish creatures without the Lord. Right? I mean, every single one of us, we, we are programmed to think about ourselves first. I can give you a, a thousand examples of day how that is true. We think about where we need to be. And so Jesus and the gospel starts helping us look outward, look outward. And so Jeremiah was looking at his people. And, and we read the scripture earlier, Beth did. But let's just go on down to verse 22 of Jeremiah 8 for the sake of time. If you can find verse 22. Here's a question, and it's an interesting question. Is there no balm in Gilead? Now, I heard this phrase a lot because it kind of became part of, of our culture. Is there no balm in Gilead? This is a question like, is there not a place of healing? What, what is balm? It's a special kind of ointment that came from a special tree, and there were plenty of them somewhere nearby Jeremiah in a place called Gilead. And he's saying here, the condition of God's people, he's like, is there hope for them? Is there healing for them? Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why has the healing of my dear people not come about? And the scripture goes on to say, um, if my, uh, my head were a flowing spring, my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night over the slain of my dear people. These were people who rejected God, but there was a heart for them. And I feel it when I really reflect upon the condition of people I love. The condition of the church, first of all. Let's just start, judgment starts with the church of God. And I think about our condition. I think about our poor teenagers today. And, and, and the, the unique, unique challenges that they have. There's great opportunity, but there's great challenges 
And I could make a list on and on, and some of those things will come out as we go about this talk. And when we're able to look outside ourselves and we're being able to really recognize the need of society, like there's not enough tears, are there? And you know what, that kind of speaks to me to the emotionalism we have. Like we can, we can create an emotional experience and you can pick a cause. Like let's say as a staff, we picked a cause and said, well, this Sunday, you know, we're going to really, really focus on, on traffic in Nashville. It's a very, very sad thing. And we're, we're, we're just going to create this service and, and, and have you cry about the condition of our roads here in Nashville. And, and we could elicit an emotional response. We may even make you cry, but there's too many things in the world to care about and to process, to sustain for emotion, just to sustain you. It's like there's not enough emotion to go around. Have you ever felt that in this day and age where everyone has to have a cause they use their social media platform for that? It's like, I just want to go and see the picture of the guy I went to junior high with and what his kids are doing now. And there's like 10 or 12 causes I have to go through to get to those pictures. And I'm not belittling that. There's some good to that, but there's also like, you just said, not enough emotional uh, strength on our own to give proper attention to all of these different causes. And so, so we feel the weight of leadership. And leadership, the reason so many of us don't enter into leadership or so many leaders check out of leadership is because the burden of this, the burden is, is, is very, very heavy. And leaders are very much criticized. If you don't believe that, go to a high school football game on Friday nights. You would think the coaches came from the pit of hell themselves. I'm like, I, I'm sitting with 400 football experts uh, and everyone knows how to coach the team better. I am so glad. I used to want to be a football coach, but I've realized in the last three years, glory, glory, hallelujah, I was delivered from that. I mean, Vince Lombardi can't coach right when you've got a 16-year-old kid you want to catch the ball. Newt Rockney could reincarnate himself, but if your little child doesn't, you know, get in position, these parents just go nuts and I am a football parent, and I just decided not to be that parent. And so I just try to keep my mouth shut, and I have some people that hold me accountable to it. Even though Jeremy came to a game a couple of weeks ago, he's like, you had that uh, intense dad look the whole game. Because I didn't want to talk, you know, I just kept my mouth shut. But the burden of leadership, we so easily criticize leadership. I've done it, you've done it. And um, evaluation is okay. Evaluation is how decisions are made, but Jesus, and through the Apostle Paul, the gospel calls us to pray. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 7 says, I urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Everyone. And then they named someone that the people hated. For kings and all those in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness 
and dignity. This is good and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator, God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all a testimony at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a herald and apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Listen, the last thing you guys want to hear about is politics and this election next year. So the last thing I'll say about it is, why don't you pray for everybody? Those you like and those you don't like. And by the way, you know, it's a good thing to pray for all of our presidents, but we have some, we have a governor and we have two senators and we have someone in the House of Representatives. We can pray for more than one office. Just want to remind you of that. We're going through something in America right now, the opioid crisis that is devastating rural America. It's really devastating all aspects of America. We started picking up on this 12, 13 years ago, and it's really, really bad in Sumner County. Sumner County is a prototype of what's happened all over America. That's one of the things that, like, we as a church, we can't just be um, a church that just has great services on Sundays. We, we have to get involved in the social meet. And so, like, we're, we're a couple of years away, three years away, but we're just like, God, what can we do to, to, to help people bound in addictions? Opioid addiction is one of many. It's not, it's a very much a suburban problem also. It's a suburban problem. It's, it's something that, that easily gets a hold of grandmothers, easily gets a hold of church elders, easily gets a hold of anyone who's trying to manage pain. So I have deep compassion on my friends who have dealt with this. And they are friends, they're not enemies. They are friends and they're not marginalized people, they're people sitting among us as we speak. So there's a cultural reckoning right now with Purdue Pharma who have marketed OxyContin. And this is the part of us that says that injustice cannot stand and accountability has to happen. The fruits of the sexual revolution of the 1960s, I'll say there's been some good fruits from that. Let's be honest about that. But there's also been societal fruits that have destroyed people who are poor, people who don't have educational opportunities. And so Jeffrey Epstein and his associates, he's, he's no longer breathing on the earth now. But there's people associated with him who have oppressed a segment of society for sexual gain. This is, not, this is something that happened while we were having church in here, in this room. This is not some historical thing of 200 years ago or 300 years ago. And this last week, we learned the, the, tra- the just unspeakable story about Ed Buck and what he's done to uh, oppress men who are addicted to drugs. Th- these, are, these are issues that come from evil in our hearts. And that evil is lurking within with with every single one of us. And that's why we come to a place like this to turn our hearts back to the Lord. As Pastor Aubrey called us today, to repent. 
For if we will drift away and we'll follow the darkest parts of our heart if we don't give those parts to Jesus over and over and over again. So I don't point out that company and those names to make, make those people and, and, and defer the attention off of me and the attention off of you. I'm just saying that without the grace of God, where would we be? So in humility, we say, this is kingdom business today. This is kingdom business today, turning our hearts back to God. This is an important, important part of the gospel. That's why our second point today is correction for injustice. Now we go to another prophet, not Jeremiah, but Amos, who was a gardener, and he was someone who took care and, and produced sycamore trees that was fruit for poor people. It was, it was fruit not for the elite, but for those who were on the bottom uh, classification of society. And so he was, he was interacting with the poor. He was interacting with the economically disadvantaged. And, and he gave five prophecies, five specific prophecies to the nation. And here's one of them. Hear this. This is Amos chapter eight, verse four through seven. Hear this, you who trample on the needy, and do away with the poor of the land. Asking, will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain? Remember that part of the scripture. I'm about to address that in a moment. And the Sabbath, so that we may market wheat. We can reduce the measure while increasing the price. And cheat with dishonest scales. We can buy the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. And even sell the chaff. Chaff, excuse me. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, I will never forget all their deeds. This is the justice of God. So what do they mean back in verse five? When will the new moon be over and we will sell grain? God gave a weekly Sabbath for his people that was to be an equalizer. All work stops on the Sabbath. All people worship on the Sabbath. Rest happens on the Sabbath. You don't use the Sabbath to get ahead. You use the Sabbath to rest and to replenish your humanity. You become more human when you take a Sabbath because you realize that you're not just living this life to take advantage of people or to get ahead of people, that all people in worship to Yahweh are equal, so all people stop. And then there was a, a custom that at the beginning of the month, the new moon, there would be a festival. And the festival was another equalizer because that's really what like a community, a, a, a community celebration is. Let's even think about here in Nashville, our 4th of July celebration. It's for everyone, right? I mean, it's just as much for the uh, millionaire living in a, in a high-rise condo as it is for the homeless person. Just look up and let's celebrate America. And, and it is another equalizer. And so what was happening is when God made a covenant with his people... Um, one of the nuances of the covenant can be found in, in Nehemiah 10, 31. And it says this, and you'll have to write that scripture down. It's not in your notes. It says, when the surrounding people bring merchandise or any kind of grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath on a holy day. We will also leave the land uncultivated in the seventh year and will cancel every debt. Okay, these are... God's economic perspectives 
that care about all people. Now, listen to me. You heard me in my, in my offering earlier. I, I, I did not hide biblical prosperity from you, okay? I wasn't scared. I love you too much to keep that from you. All the pastors, you know, I'm scared to talk about money, you know, whatever, people might not come back. Well, you know, maybe the people who don't come back need to come back more often, and maybe they'll be blessed financially if they follow the Bible. How about that? Okay, so you, you heard that earlier today, but then now you see also the full scope of Scripture saying, listen, don't live for that. Keep following my ways. You know, keep following me on the Sabbath, Keep observing the years of jubilee, which cancel all the debts. Keep doing the things that I've called you to do. These are the things that God says the blessing of God and the prosperity of God is to lift people up. It's not to oppress people. It's not to push people down. It's not to create uh, classifications where there's a few elite and no one else can get ahead. I mean, this is part of us caring for the community, caring for all people, caring for all people that we can do that if we are people of generosity, if we are people of character, if we are people who have a heart for others who are in need. This is the full benefit of following God's ways. That's one of the reasons why the type of preaching that's always trying to convince people they're going to hell and no one thinks they're saved never allows people to move in into redeeming the world in partnership with God. Yes, and I, I could, I could, and God forbid me being prideful, I'm trying to make this a point. You know, I could like create awesome altar calls every week by making you insecure about your salvation. I could. People would like, oh my goodness, that young pastor, I'm not young anymore, but I like to think I am. That young pastor, 12 hands went up, praise God. The same 12 people who have been raising their hands all year long. And they're so insecure about getting to heaven, then they can't understand that they're destined to bring heaven to earth. And they bring heaven to earth by not just worrying about their soul, by allowing their soul to be at rest with God. And when their soul is at rest with God, they can share that story with others. And then their soul's at rest with God. Now I'm starting to, to care about uh, uh, pockets of poverty in our society. I'm starting to care about people who don't have access to education. I'm starting to care about people who have no biblical knowledge and don't know the Ten Commandments and don't know who Jesus is. I'm starting to care about about uh, people who, are, who don't have proper nutrition to eat. These are things that God cares about. And, and you know, it's just simply not true, this idea that oh, all God cares about is us getting to heaven. That's the starting place, right? There is life abundantly, abundant life. And, and it happens through our partnership with God. This is why Jesus said this in Luke 16, 13 is our gospel reading today. No servant can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other. That's a great principle. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And now, now look at this bold statement. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. Either God is the God of your money or your money is your God. And that's why sometimes he calls us to give away more than we're comfortable to. Then, sometimes he calls us to make long-term decisions for long-term health financially. God cares about these things. 
Why does God care about your finances? You're like, because I'm a king's kid and God loves me and God loves to bless his kid. Well, okay, if you, if you wanna just stay at the most basic level, stay there. The reason God cares about your money is because you're an influencer. God cares about your money because you're a giver. God cares about your money because you're a sower. God cares about your money because you have the ability to change someone else's destiny. Why don't you pay for someone else's education so they don't have to take student loans? That's a lot better than a newer boat, right? You know, you know, these, are, these are possibilities. Now the Holy Spirit was telling me, yeah, why don't you do that, Aaron? I'm like, okay. I just want to move on. Have you ever done that? You're preaching something and you're like, you people do that. And then the Holy Spirit said, yeah, why don't you do it, Aaron? So, okay. I guess I won't be getting a new boat anytime soon. <laughs> Oh, man. I think that one of the current applications we can make, and you might not think this applies to you now, but it it may apply to you sooner than you think. Let's think through how things or opportunities that may benefit us financially may negatively impact the community. Let's think through it. Let's think through the end. How something that may benefit us now financially may impact the whole community. That's why I think that stewardship of the planet is a Christian issue for every single person who believes God's given us dominion over the earth. Ecological concerns are not meant for a certain type of person or people. It's meant for all people who love the Lord for the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And how that's applied is up to your own interpretation. It really is. But the concern for the stewardship of the earth comes from the heart of God. Because guess what? He made this place. And he's in it. Like his fingerprints in it everywhere. He's not in it as in pantheism. He's in it as his, his divine intelligence is in it. And the glory of God is in the mountains. The heavens declare the earth. How many know that? The heavens don't declare the earth if you're in Beijing and you have to wear a mask because you can't see up in the air. I've heard about that. The heavens don't declare the smog. So these, these are things that we concern of. But more closer to our impact is, is how, how do things that advantage us financially affect particular population segments? And it's worth asking and it's worth thinking about, and you would do well to do that. Our culture is a, it's categorized by ins and outs. That's why higher education can feel so fraudulent. You go to the right school, you go to an Ivy League school, or you go to somewhere like Vanderbilt, or you go somewhere with a name, then you meet the right people, then you, meet, you get the right opportunity, then you're an insider. And so because of that, to try to levelize that, there were the student loan program, the access, like if, if your parents don't have a whole bunch of money saved up, you can access these loans that are long-term and they're, they're somewhat lower interest. But then that has crushed a whole generation under student debt, and, and it's, it's uh, the type of debt that often doesn't benefit people. It does for some, but it doesn't for all. So now it's moved further into um, 
this college admissions scandal that you know, those with the means can manipulate the process. I, I'm just telling you that, that this, these issues, the reason why it grabs our attention on the news, the, the reason why we care about it is because God cares about these things because here's my last point, point three, he has hope for everyone. This is what the news of the gospel, the gospel is not for the ins and the outs. Like, and we don't wanna be that church, it's like, hey, if you got it together, if, 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 if you can give money, we want you. If you can look good for the cameras, we want you. If you can represent a pertinent dem- demographic, we want you. But everybody else, you're lucky if you get a seat. You know, that sickens the heart of God. I mean, that's really disgusting for what Jesus and the gospel is for. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for every person. Jesus is for every person because he loves every person. And, and this is the hope that we have. And here's the God that we had. We, we read Psalm 113, one through four, but let's read the continuation of that. The Lord is exalted above all the nations. I'm so glad God is more powerful than the United Nations. I'm so glad God's more powerful than the governments of men because see, government can't get it right. <laughs> and government can't get it right. Even there's good people in government. There really is. There's more good people than bad people. But Human beings can't get it right. I know that because little committees that we form here in this church, we can't get it right. You get more than one person together, you get three people together, they're not gonna agree on anything. This is just part of uh, the, the fallacy of human wisdom. But how many know we're not limited to human wisdom? We're not limited to the systems we've created. We're not limited to our, our government and our way, we, our bylaws of our church. We have a God who is above it all, a God who is greater than all things. And this is what this psalm declares. The Lord is exalted above all the nations, the glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one enthroned on high? And I love this phrase who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Isn't that beautiful? Not a God who's like watching us and having us just figure it out. It's a God of involvement. It's a God of eminence. It's a God that is included in our decisions. It's a God who, come on, Aubrey. It's a God who cares about the details of our life. And now look at this, verse seven. He raises the poor from the dust. That's why our hearts come alive when we hear the story of someone who was poor, someone who was disadvantaged, but through the being image bearers of God, they fight through the adversity. They fight through the limitations. You can't keep a good woman down. You can't keep a good man down. There's something called grit. There's something called determination. And it doesn't come just from us as humans. It comes from the divine imprint that God has made us image bearers of him. And so when we overcome an obstacle and when we break expectations, and we push through limits and we do things that people said were impossible. Man doesn't get the glory. Our God gets the glory. He's the one that scoops down, gets involved, and he lifts up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the trash heap. Look at verse seven. In order to seat them with nobles, with the nobles of his people. Verse nine, he gives the childless woman a household, making her the joyful mother of children. Hallelujah. 
This is what God does as he creates families. He creates families through blended families. He creates families through adoption. He creates families uh, uh, through fostering. He creates families through spiritual families, 242 groups, through Awana groups. He creates families through uh, places like CIL. And he says, I'm gonna push through What society has said, especially in those days, the shame of infertility, there is no shame in infertility. And I want you to know that. Please do not accept that, receive that, believe that. Some of the greatest women of the world historically weren't able to bear children in the natural, but they bore children in love. They bore children in the spiritual realm. And this is God has put a mothering heart He's put the Father's heart upon us because we are spiritual fathers and we are spiritual mothers. And the Lord comes down and he comes down and he touches that barren couple. He touches that man who can't find a spouse and he says, you are legitimate. You have a father spirit on you. You are wise. You are one who can bring insight where there's no insight. You are one who can bring wisdom. I cannot tell you how single adults have touched my children's lives because they have more disposable time and they can take interest in kids in a way. This is what God does. He says, I'll take the poor. I'll take the uneducated. I'll take those who are are classified and and they are are, um, categorized as, as destined for failure. The Lord is stronger than statistics. The Lord is stronger than prognostications. The Lord is stronger than predictions. This is the hope of glory that we are living in. This is the hope. Why does the community matter? Because people are in the community. The community is not the name of a town, not the name of an organization. The community is not the name of the school. The community are a gathering of human beings, boys and girls, men and women. This is a community of all people, of all races, of all backgrounds that reflect the glory of the Lord when our God gets involved. That's why the community matter. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. There's a glory on you. There's a glory on you. You are not the sin you commit. The Lord wants you to know that. You are not defined by your sin. You are not defined by your mistake. You are not defined by that misstep. There's a glory on you. It's a glory that came from the beginning of creation. The Lord's made you different than an animal. The Lord's made you different. You have an ability to relate to him. You have an ability to know him. There is a great glory on you. You reflect the greatness of God. And the Lord says this. The Lord says to move forward in all the good things he has for you. Don't be paralyzed by sin. One of the things, and and, and this theme has come up a couple of times, but it, it just shook my spirit. I read it from another author and I haven't been able to shake this. Men, we have been, we have been paralyzed because of past sin that has made us think we're disqualified to be leaders. And that's a lie from the enemy. You're here today. You could be sleeping in. You could be cooking breakfast. That's not a manly thing to do anyway. Okay, I get out of the spirit there. Let's go on. All right. I guess if it's enough, let me just move on. You've been, you've been 
you're here right now. You're, you're in God's house. You're in his family. You're, you're standing here right now. There's a, there is a call on your life. Come on, there's a destiny on you. And don't let something you did in the past disqualify you when God hasn't disqualified you. Don't let maybe your own disappointment make you think that you don't have a place. There's a place for you. God has to change that place. He's holding that place for you. He's saying, step forward, step in, be my man, be that leader, be that person who brings spiritual authority when you need to bring that. And you know, I, I just say, come on guys, Go on this journey with me. Come on with this journey with me. I'm not all that I want to be, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. We, as brothers, we are going to keep showing up where God calls us to show up. And when we show up in that place, God's going to take us to a new place in him. You believe it? All right, let's go to the Lord. Father, we come now. We dedicate these elements to you because we believe, Lord, that your presence is in the bread and your presence is in the cup. Lord, we pray that as we respond to this message today, stir up the things that God, so many things came up today. So many things came up. So Lord, I I won't repeat them. I just pray you bring them back to memory what people need to hear. Bring back to memory what people need to know. Bring back to memory what people need to know in their hearts. Just make that real right now. If you're visiting with us, we're gonna have a time of response before I give the benediction. You can either come to the right or the left and take communion on your own. I won't give you instructions. You can also go to the back to do that or you don't have to take communion at all. Many times there's good reasons why Christians choose not to take communion, but everyone is welcome to take the Lord's Supper today. Here at the middle, Pastor Deborah will be offering communion by intention, which means you take the bread and you dip it in the cup and it's another way to connect with the Lord as she presents it to you specifically. You may want to pray with someone that you love, a friend, a spouse, a 242 member. The Lord may lead you to encourage someone near you. But just in a couple of minutes, I'll give our formal dismissal, but this is now the Lord's time. The Lord's time. We are not just hearers of the word. We're doers of the word. So now let's respond to what the Lord has spoken to us. The table of the Lord is open to you.